Pastor Xavier Reese on the likelihood of life after death. Job says, if a man dies, shall he live again? There are many answers to the question of Job by man. Science says, he may live again. Philosophy says, he hopes to live again. Ethics says, he ought to live again. Atheism says, he will never live again. Jesus says, he shall live again. Where you will spend eternity is really up to you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. No doubt science and technology has done wonders to treat and almost eliminate most major disease, but there's one malady that will never be conquered by man, and that's death. Today, as he continues his message, No One Gets Out of Here Alive, Pastor Xavier Reese brings us the biblical solution to dealing with death. Let's listen. Everybody has to die, as we said. Now, the Old Testament describes the place after death as Sheol. And as, that is the common place without distinction. In other words, Sheol is a Hebrew word that means the world of the dead and is used to describe the place of the departed spirits and the souls, be they righteous or wicked. They go to one place, Sheol. So the Old Testament is very general. It's not really specific. It just says when a person dies, they go to Sheol. That's both righteous and the wicked. The word appears 65 times in the Old Testament, translated in the King James, the Old King James, grave 31 times, hell 31 times, and pit three times. But it all describes the same place. Now in the New Testament, it describes the place after death as Hades. Hades in the Greek word, or in the Greek, it means the place of unseen or departed, equivalent to that Old Testament, Sheol. And all the references really are by Jesus except for one. In 1 Corinthians 15, 55, where it is translated grave. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. And if people don't make a decision to go to heaven, they will end up in hell. And he loves mankind so much, he doesn't want them to perish. All of these reverence come from the mouth of Jesus. The condition of the dead before the cross, as you know, is explained to us in the Gospel of Luke. Just jot down Luke 16, verse 19 to 31. You know the story. And by the way, it's not a parable. Jesus never used personal names for parables. He gives names here. This is an actual story of a rich man who died and Lazarus the beggar. Okay? Now, in that story, as you know, we are told that they both died. They were carried, one to the place of torment, the other one to the bosom of the Father in comfort. Hades was divided into two places. The bosom of Abraham, comfort, paradise, place of torment. It's very clear, verse 22 through 25. There was a dividing line, a clear fixed gulf that prohibited one from coming to one place as well as the other going to the other place. Now we get a lot of speculative thing. I only know from my background of Catholicism, they used to speak about limbo and purgatory. Limbo for the child who wasn't baptized and then they would be out there just floating around or whatever. And then purgatory, of course, if you're, you know, so-so, you go to hell a little bit, you, you know, pay a little price and be there suffering, then they'll pray you up in stages and you go to heaven. Okay, it's all wishful thinking. The Bible says you go to heaven or you go to hell. So you've got a lot of things that men try to water down. 
that add to the Word of God. So the plumb line, once again, is the Word of God, not our opinion or our speculation. Now, remember the plead. I have brothers. I don't want them to come to this place. Send them back from the dead. He had consciousness, he remembered, and he expressed everything perfectly. He did not cease to exist. And Jesus told him that God through there, through the bosom of the Father, through Abraham, he says that they had the scriptures, they had Moses. If they don't believe them, they will not believe in, even if someone comes back from the dead. Guess what? Jesus has come back from the dead. Do people believe it? No. Absolutely not. Hades can only be avoided by paying heed to the scriptures, verse 31 of Luke 16 says. Only by paying heed to the scriptures. The dead who die in faith up to the cross then were redeemed by Jesus because he was put in the tomb. He went down. He preached to the prisons. In fact, 1 Peter 3.19 says that Jesus went down to Hades and he preached to the spirits in prison. Now, people get into argument that he preached to both sides. I think he did. You want to go along with that? It doesn't matter. Certainly went down. He says, here I am. We are good, well done, good and faithful. And he took him to heaven. The other ones, here I am. What you didn't believe has come to pass. But there's none that could be done for those in torment. Once you die, your eternity is sealed. That's the scary part. Paul the Apostle tells us that Jesus led captivity captive, first descending, then ascending up on high, confirming Peter in Ephesians 4, 8 and 9. Three days, he's in the tomb. The wicked now remain in Hades then. If he took everybody to heaven, then it's no longer two compartments, is there? There's only one compartment, the place of torment. Okay? So anybody who dies without Jesus Christ goes to the place of torment. People say, oh, can you guys Christians say? We don't say it with a smack of the lips. We say it with a broken heart. That's why we preach the truth. That's why we warn. So that people don't have to end up there. The wicked remain in Hades and will do so until the white throne judgment in Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. At the end of the thousand-year reign, all those who have gone to Hades or to Sheol or to hell, whichever you want to translate it, they are brought up, the books are open, and then they're judged for their life and their sin. Not for a second opportunity for salvation. They're only judged to be sentenced. They've already been found guilty. And that's for all eternity. The dead now, since the cross, the minute they die, if they're Christian, they are instantly present before the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 8. He says we have two bodies. One is a tent in this earth, terrestrial dwelling. The other one's eternal in heaven. We're never found naked. He says the minute we die, we are instantly present before the Lord. He says it twice. So if you're a Christian and you die, you're instantly present before the Lord. You don't go to Hades. You don't go there in a place of comfort. You go straight to heaven. Because Jesus has opened heaven. Very important. Now, the believer then is in what is called the third heaven where God dwells. Paul the apostle was caught up in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4. I knew a man in Christ 13 years ago, whether in the body, out of the body, I don't know, but he was caught up to the third heaven and he heard and saw things that are not lawful to be uttered. So, before the death of Christ, Hades the place of comfort 
what's called a place of comfort, the bosom of Abraham, paradise. But then Jesus descended and he took that to heaven, the third heaven. Because what did he say to the thief on the cross? Today, you will be with me in paradise. So when Jesus died and the thief died, they went down to paradise, the bosom of Abraham. But then he scooped them up and he took paradise and, made it, and took it to the third heaven. So now, paradise, according to Paul, is in the third heaven. There's no more waiting place. The dead who know not Christ will ultimately be cast into the lake of fire or Gehenna along with the rebellious angels for all eternity. This is the difficult part. But God help us if we don't share this truth with people. Gehenna is equivalent to the Valley of Tophet, which signifies the valley uh, or the place of burning, which is the place of idolatry in the scriptures in the worship of Molech outside the walls of Jerusalem in the valley of Hinnom there. You find it in Jeremiah chapter 7, if you remember our study of Jeremiah, 2 Kings 23, and many other passages. There they would sacrifice their infants on the burning red hot arms of Molech as they heated it up to sacrifice their children as they jumped up and down and afflicted themselves and cut themselves. Josiah the king cleansed the land of such worship in the valley of Hinnom, or Tophet, and it became the site of the city dump, where a fire was constantly burning always. In fact, Jesus made constant reference to Gehenna in the scriptures by looking to the valley of Tophet, where it was the city dump and fire was constantly burning. He said it's where the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies. Listen to what he says. The word appears 12 times in the New Testament, and 11 of these come from the very mouth of Jesus, so you must pay real close attention to what he says about it. He says, Gehenna is a place of fire, Matthew 5, 22. The whole body can end up in Gehenna, Matthew 5, 29. Both body and soul can end up there, Matthew 10, 28. It is better to lose a hand, a foot, or an eye and to be, than to be cast into hell with all your members, Mark 9, 43. Only Jesus has the power to cast into Gehenna, Luke 12, 5. No one else. This is the eternal abode of the unbeliever, the unbelieving angels. And Gehenna is synonymous with the lake of fire. They both describe the same place. So people are now in Hades, which we usually call hell, in our English translation. At the end of the thousand years, those people are brought up to be judged and to be cast into the lake of fire or Gehenna. Jesus runs Gehenna, not Satan. Listen to Revelation 14, 10, and 11. The lake of fire is described as a place of eternal torment before the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. Interesting. We usually get the picture that Satan runs hell. <laughs> no, he doesn't. The lake of fire was prepared for Satan and his angels, never for any man, never for any woman. And yet there were billions and trillions of people in the lake of fire, Gehenna, because they reject the witness of God. There are many answers posed to the question of Job by man. 
Job says, if a man dies, shall he live again? Science says, he may live again. Philosophy says, he hopes to live again. Ethics says, he ought to live again. Atheism says, he will never live again. Jesus says, he shall live again. Where you will spend eternity is really up to you. You'll never be able to blame God. You make that decision before you die, not after you die. The number of deaths in the world may fluctuate widely from year to year, but um, a rough estimate annual death is about 60 um, million or so to every second. The majority of them enter eternity to be lost by their own decisions to reject the gospel. Pretty heavy. God has allowed us to know our own mortality. It's appointed unto man to die once and then the judgment, Hebrews 9.27 says. The obvious truth is that no one gets out of here alive for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. The clear statement is that man is temporal, having a beginning, having an end. And one day we will have to give an account for our lives. God has allowed us to know very clearly that Jesus Christ died in our place. 1 John 2, 2, he is a propitiation for our sins, not only ours alone, but the whole world. The sacrifice that appeased the wrath of God for the sins of the world. Wow. And so God has allowed us to know that personal repentance alone can forgive us of our sins and we can receive eternal life because of what Jesus did. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, Romans 2, 4. It's the goodness of God. He doesn't want to put a guilt trip on us. He wants us to acknowledge where we're at, separated from him, in need of him. Death does not mean you cease to exist. It only seals for all eternity what you have lived and believed in this life, and it continues in the next. God respects your choice. You don't want to live for God, then he honors your choice for all eternity. It's your choice. Death respects no one. Rich, poor, young, old, black, white, brown, yellow, pink, brown dye, cyanide, doesn't make any difference. You're going to die. Hmm. The location after death is not candy-coated in the scriptures, is it? To say with the smack of the lips, yeah, those guys are going to burn. No, never. It's a cry of a broken-hearted father. Adam, where art thou? The instructions about death are very, very clear then. Let me give them to you so there is no confusion. First, death is unnatural to God's original creation then. God did not introduce death. God did not bring in death as part of the plan. God gave the capacity of choice in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Adam and Eve made a choice. God created Adam and Eve with the capacity to never die. But their choice brought death in. Secondly, death is the result of broken fellowship with our Creator. By sin, we are separated from God. 
You know Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. God's hand is not short that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your sins have separated you from God. It severs communication. You ever see the guy in commercial? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? That's what happens when sin happens in your life. God doesn't hear you, okay? God says, mm, 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 mm. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity, sin in my heart, God will not hear me. Whoa. I have to confess it. I have to agree with God. Get it out of the way. So I'm in fellowship with God. By one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. Romans 5, 12 says very, very clearly. And so through him, death spread to all men. And we see this on and on and on through history as well as our life. So he is the federal head. But we can't blame him because now we have the choice. We can partake of the tree of life in Jesus Christ, but it's our choice now. We get to make the same decision Adam did. Thirdly, death is an enemy of God and man. Death is an enemy of God and man. The last enemy to be put under God's feet and destroyed is death. 1 Corinthians 15, 25, and 26. It's cast into the lake of fire at the end of the millennial kingdom, after the white throne judgment. The sting of death and the victory of Hades has been taken away by Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. He is the resurrection and the life. Fourthly, death is a constant reminder of man's mortality. The genealogy of Adam in chapter 5, as we've pointed out, is a record of God's word that in spite of the longevity, people die. The death experience is appointed to every person. The judgment appointed to every person. No one escapes it. Fifth, death is a continuation of eternal life with God or separation from God. One of the two. There's no other choice. There's no other place. Eternal life with God in heaven for all eternity or eternal life apart from God for all eternity. The lake of fire, Gehenna, is the eternal place of torment for all eternity. The choice is man's. In a London cemetery is a grave and a headstone with unusual but beautiful words. It was um, erected by a, the famous pastor, Joseph Parker, for his beloved wife. He couldn't um, bring himself to write the words, died. Instead, he chose the better word, ascended. Because <laughs> that's what happens to the saint. Ascended. As King Saul came down to death's door, he remorsely said, listen, I have played the fool. The Apostle Paul, on the other end, when he came to death's door and the setting of the sun in his life, he says, I have kept the faith. Which will you say at death's door? I have played a fool or I have kept the faith? That's your choice. It will affect your eternity, not mine, not the person sitting next to you, but you. 
And God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to turn to him, that he might forgive you of your sins. And so each of us must recognize and agree with God that he raised Jesus from the dead to justify us of our sins. That's the plan that he's given to us. And if you go through the book of Acts from the day of Pentecost on, the constant message is that Peter said, God raised Jesus from the dead having loosed the pains of death in Acts 2.24. In Acts 10, 40-41, to the house of Cornelius, him God raised up from the dead on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. The message is real simple, real clear. It's Jesus Christ, no one else. And so we must recognize and agree with the plan of God for the redemption of man through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No one else. Good works cannot do it. Wishful thinking cannot do it. Philosophy and religion does not do it. Education certainly does not do it. And so I have to believe that Jesus became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in him in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He died in my place, the propitiation of 1 John 2.2. Why? Because he loves me. That should humble me. That should humble me that the God of this universe who is holier than anything we can imagine would die for us. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thank be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He tasted death for every man. He destroyed him who had the power of death for you and for myself. Listen to the words of Job. All that my words were written, all that they were inscribed in a book, if he only knew that they were engraved on a rock with an iron of pen and lead forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at the last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within, Job 19, 23-27. As vague as the specifics were in the Old Testament, Job knew he would live again and see his Redeemer. How much more us who have the clear, specific, detailed teaching about life after death. The instruction about death is not hidden. It's real clear. And so here you have the revelation of Scripture. The only authority for life and death. The introduction of death was not God's doing. The location after death is not candy coated. And the instruction about death is not hidden from man. And so, as believers, we need to pray for our friends, for our loved ones, for those who we work with who don't know Christ. God would open that door. And then when he opened that door for us to share that we share the clear teaching of Scripture with all love, all compassion. We don't need to argue. And then we continue to pray that they make the right choice by the work of the Spirit of God. And we continue to pray because I don't want anybody to perish at all. And if I don't, God certainly doesn't. And so no one gets out of your life 
if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can call on his name to be saved and know that you have eternal life and you'll be with him forever. But this is your choice. Pastor Xavier Reese with a gentle reminder that Jesus is the only real way to conquer the sting of death. And you can request a copy of today's important message, No One Gets Out of Here Alive. As always, Simple Truths messages are available upon request for just $4. By the way, this will also contain what Pastor Xavier talked about the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is, No One Gets Out of Here Alive. Or simply mention today's date when you make your request. Here's how to reach us. Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. What happens when a father ignores the sins of his children? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese. That's next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 